And hi, everybody. It's Trish Carr from Women's Prosperity Network. Thank you so much for being with me today as we talk one more time with one of my sisters of color. And we learn a little bit more about what it's like to be of color in the United States and around the world. And, you know, the whole purpose of this broadcast is so that those of us like me who are simply socialized white, simply brought up white, find out the things that we need to know so that we can be, really be the anti-racist that we want to be. So we can really be uh, sensitive and understanding to the situation and circumstances that people of color experience on a daily basis. Not just talking here about the systemic racism that you hear about, but the experience of people. So if you've been watching for the last uh, three, four months that we've been doing this, I'm sure you've learned a lot. And today you'll learn even more because my amazing guest is CCSU. And Cece and I have known each other for a long time, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. And um, let me just tell you a little bit about her and then we're going to get into it. Cece lives right not far from me. She's in, you're in, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear okay, you. Good. Uh, you're, in, you're in Broward County too, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so she's in South Florida as, as well as me. And she is an amazing woman. First of all, she's a veteran. Um, she was, what were you, 10 years? 10 years. 10 years a veteran. And um, she was in, get this, hoo-ha, she was in the Marine Corps, which just celebrated their anniversary the day before Veterans Day. And uh, she was a sergeant in, in the Marine Corps. So A, thank you so much for serving our country. Thank you. Thank you know, you. You, the face of the Marine Corps is often men. And I know many women who served in the Marines as well. And once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Yes. Yes. So she's yes. always a Marine, like my dad. So that's really cool. You know, I know what that's like. My dad had a crew cut till the day he died. Wow. Once, it was like, that was it. He was a Marine. So the, the interesting thing is, you know, Cece's life is centered on three things, and that's God, family, and education. And after you served in the military, I know that you made some poor choices. Mm -hmm. And we all make bad decisions that end up causing a, a shift in our life. For you, you ended up in prison because of those. And a lot of what has been your life's work now is around your experience in prison. Cece um, was actually granted clemency by the then governor of Florida, who's now a US Senator, Rick uh, Scott. And I know you're actually, you're applying for a presidential pardon? Yes, I am. Awesome, I can't wait to, what does that have to, what do you have to do for that? jump through hoops. Yeah, I would One imagine. of the things they want is like every address you've lived at. For your whole life. For your whole life. Yeah. Like, who remembers that? I know, I can't imagine. And how long does it, so we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit for sure. Um, but she speaks in prisons on a regular basis and she speaks to inmates about her passion and personal experience, explaining how they can get their criminal records sealed, how they can have them expunged, how they can be pardoned, and how they can actually create a new way of life. So thank you for doing that too. You know, so many, you were also instrumental in 
uh, getting on the ballot in Florida, the right for felons to be able to vote again. Yes. And I know even though it was passed, uh, the government got back into it and said, you got to do this and you got to do that. And let's make you still jump through hoops. I know. Right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you are an activist and I do love that about you. Um, she is, I got to tell you, she is an amazing photographer. She says, you know, I asked her for a bio, right? So she gives me this bio and she says, get this line. Cece is not funny. Let me tell you, she cracks me up. <laughs> She's not funny, but what she does is she uses her wit and charm to disarm people. And when she does that, she's able to really help people reinvent themselves, not just people who are in prison now, but the individuals that you work with as well. So, you know, it's about changing your mindset and changing everything you want about your life is available. You were telling me that you are uh, from a culturally diverse background. And tell me about what your name means. Okay. My first name, if you just hear it, Cece. Right. It means yes, yes in Spanish. But in French, my last name, Espiu, means it's possible. So I always say my birthright means yes, yes, it's possible. It's possible. Yes. It yes. does. It really yes. does. And I have to say, just personally, you have made, Cece has done photography for us at Women's Prosperity Network for a very long time now. And your pictures somehow create, you capture the essence of us. And every picture I ever see you do, you really, there's something very special about what you do. So your inner, your inner being disarms of other people so that they can shine their inner being. And I, I just love that about you. So thank you so much for being with me today and for uh, let's talk about your experience being a woman of color. And one of the other, one of the things you were saying was that you do have a culturally diverse background. So how has that um, been a challenge or a plus in your life? Well, I am Jamaican. My parents are Jamaican, but I was born in London. And so I did not come to this country until I was 16. And I'm not saying I didn't experience racism before that, but I was not aware of it until I came here. Well, you were in London until you were 16? I was in London and then I went to, board, uh, to school in Jamaica. Okay. Right. So neither place really had, I'm not saying there wasn't racism. What I'm saying is I didn't experience it, mm -hmm. all right? Then I come to good old Brooklyn, New York, and it Where was, I'm from too. Where, where you're from. In fact, <laughs> I, I went to, um, I, I went to Tilden High School. In oh, right, gotcha. So, I used to live right, right near there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, th then I started to see cultural differences where you did not mix with somebody from a different culture. And because I was kind of lighter skinned and my hair is curly, they thought I was Hispanic or Puerto Rican. And so because, I was able because there are a lot of Puerto Ricans in that area. Right, I went right. to school with white people and Puerto Ricans, a few mm -hmm. black people. Right, right. Well, at Tilden at the time, it was the same thing. It was whites, Puerto Ricans, 
and a few blacks. Yep. And for whatever reason, I got pushed into the Puerto Rican path. You yeah. Know? Honestly, at that time, I was just making friends. I was just so happy to have someone talk to me because coming from another country, it was, it was hard. Mm. It was hard. And right away, I joined the Marine Corps. As soon as I was able, I joined the Marine Corps. And that was a whole different experience culturally. You know, um, yes, I did experience racism there, but you know, I always think of my life as beginning once I got out of the Marine Corps, once I made my mistakes, once I came home. That, so there's a before CC and an after, all right? Now, I don't know if you know this, Trish. Do you remember how we met? I, I think that we were just getting started with WPN and mm -hmm. Nancy or me put up a postcard at the bank. Correct. And you saw the postcard at the bank and mm -hmm. came to one of our events. Right, right. I know, just goes to show you on a market. <laughs> These people go, should I put my business card on that bulletin board? Yes, you right. should put it up there. Put it up there. So I I had just gotten divorced. I saw your business card. Right. And I, and I you know, I called and I came to your, to your workshop. It was a workshop on vision boards. And oh, I was so fun. excited to be there. And I had this brilliant idea because I was in school for photography at the time that I wanted to take your pictures. It was somebody's birthday and I called you guys up and I said, hey, I'd love to take your pictures as a birthday gift. That one incident really brought racism home to me because you guys are white, I'm black. So many people at that time had the notion that I only take pictures of white women. My business took such a hit for that. And I was like, why wouldn't I take their picture? You know, and, and my, my black friends were like, oh, you can't do business with them. They're white. And I was like, but their money is green. <laughs> and they're my friends. I'm like, how am I going to eat if I don't do business with everybody? And that was a very hard thing for me to wrap my head around, you know, that my own people, which all everybody's my own people because I'm a melting pot of cultures. Mm -hmm. But how could somebody tell me that I cannot do business with my friends because they're a different color? And I, I was, that for me was, it was something I struggled with for a long time. And I don't think I ever told you guys that. No, I'm sitting here mouth agape. Right. But no. you know, you guys helped me in so many ways, showed me what to do with my business and how to do business. And I was not getting that from the people that surrounded me at the time. And so I was like, wow, so this is reverse racism, I think. Well, I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't even know what it was. Of, it's the form of racism. It's just right. not the racism you hear about. Right, right. right. And, 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 I, and actually, 
I almost felt bullied. Yeah. You know, about why am I doing business with, you know, with you. And WPN opens me up to a whole new culture of 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 people and I, I don't think I'd been to Boca before I met you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. So for those of you who don't know, Boca is seen as a kind of high class, highfalutin, a little snobby, seen that way, white community here. White community. Yeah. It's, in well, Seinfeld, his parents lived in Boca del Boca. Right, right. Yeah. And, and it's not that I wasn't doing business in other parts of the country, but Boca just was not my you know, was not my playground. Right. But you, WPN, the sisters, opens me up to that. And we found out that Boca has regular people in it and just has regular a reputation people. like a lot of places have. Mm-hmm. Just regular people, but regular they have a people. reputation in that city. And it's another form of stereotype. Right, right, right. And uh, that just opens up my business. And then I, I just had to get comfortable and say... I'm from many different cultures. You know, I was born in London, raised in Jamaica. My parents are Jamaican. This is just me. And however you want to look at me and accept me, this is it. Plus, you're, is you're, it. you're part Puerto Rican because you grew up in high school as a Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Even when I was in prison, I, I like to sit back and watch. Okay, and not really saying too much. Even in prison, they put me with the Puerto Ricans because they thought I did not speak English. And I remember one day I was in the chow hall and they had liver. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have liver. I love it. And the guard just just stopped. They were like, you speak English? And I was like, what else would I speak? You know? And they yeah. said they had never heard me speak. How interesting that you really were stereotyped based on your skin color in so mm-hmm. many different ways. In so many different ways, yeah. Yeah, and then the other side of that is that you were treated differently by your Black friends because you were working with white people. Mm-hmm. But you were just getting started then. So that's what, those are the first pictures they saw and they went, oh, she, she does white people. Right, she does white people. <laughs> Wow. Which is, well, which is I, really crazy. Well, I get it. You know, there's studies that, that like attracts like. And even, you know, you put kids in a room and they tend to gravitate to their what their own is. So mm-hmm. it's part of what happens. Right. And it's understandable. Yet we don't have to make it that way always. Because when you Look at what happens for you when you said, hey, these are my friends. These are people. I don't care what color they are. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's what makes life wonderful. Embracing, celebrating diversity. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And, you know, being a photographer and going to uh, different religious ceremonies for bar mitzvahs or weddings or baptisms, I, I like to think I'm culturally rich. You know, I've had I've had some of the most amazing experiences watching other people's culture. And by nature, I'm a watcher. You know, that's why I'm a photographer. I like right. to sit back and just watch. And, uh, you know, it, it's really, really helped me. Yes. 
Yeah, it has. Well, you know, being in the prison system, well, first of all, being the whole Marine experience, I talked to uh, one of my guests was New Love Jones, and she was in the Army for 12 years. And she was sharing her experience in the Army and how not the whole, she said that when she was overseas that it was an expectation of her to take care of the commanding officer of the area. And I said, well, why? It wasn't an expectation of the white female soldiers. And she said, no, it was only me. For some reason, because she was a woman of color, she was expected to be, you know, the sex goddess for the captain or whatever. Did you experience any? What did you experience, if anything, like that? Or, you know, I, ha- I had an opportunity to talk to a, a fellow veteran uh, last week, and he said that all women that are in the military should get okay, let me say this. We should all get a medal because all of us, every single one of us, experience what we call military sexual trauma, MST. For me, I did not know, and I know it's going to sound crazy now, but 20, 30 years ago, we did not know we had the right to say no. Okay, we did not know we could say no. And I know it may sound crazy to civilians and and women today, you know, who are so used to being able that have a voice and can say, no, I don't want that. Don't touch me. But back then, we did not know we could say no. And especially if you were a woman of color. And, you know, that was the truth for all women. All women. I've I've heard of horror stories mm-hmm. upon horror stories. So that, unfortunately, that was the culture back then, and they're trying to change it, but it's right. like a big ship. It's just change. It's just moving slowly. Yeah. So you know, but yeah, I, I had some really, I had some really great Marines around me at the time who protected me were my big brothers, and protected me. But yeah. We all experienced it to some degree, it, it, even if it was just jokes, you know, the inappropriate jokes, the touching, the touching of the hair, kind of, uh, you know, it's gives me chills <laughs> about it. I know. You know, a guy tries something like that with me now and I'd be like, I'd be all over him. But no, you know, so so just know that that's something that happened and they are trying to change it. Yeah, I know there. In fact, I saw an R, uh, something on the news a couple of weeks ago recently about um, they are trying to change it, but it still exists in rampant numbers. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. still exists in a big way. Right. Absolutely. Right. And then the prison experience. So what did you was what what happened there in terms of was there a division in uh, racial division there and. What was that like? Well, yes, they they put the cultures, the different groups with the different groups. But by then I had found my voice. So I was kind of lippy. I ended up in uh, solitary confinement for mm. almost a year. So I didn't really have to deal with any of that because they were like, nope. I was like, hey, orange is not my color. 
can I get another color? Right. Can, you know, and just stupid stuff, real private Benjamin moments. And I ended up in solitary confinement. So oh my gosh. I, I did most of my time there. I can't imagine what that's like. It might be a blessing and a curse. I've, I've heard mothers say like, can I, can I just have a moment of silence, you know, but um, after a while, your mind starts to play tricks on you. And so when I came out of prison, my mindset was totally different. I, I went in kind of meek and mild. I came out, I was like, I was ready to kick ass. I was like, I don't care what color you think I am. You know, this is it. This is me. Take it or leave it. You know, so what can I say? I know. What can you say, right? Well, so what's been your experience since the whole, you know, so, so George Floyd was the impetus for the latest round of protest activism followed by many people after that. And I can name 10 of them off the top of my head, but it's been definitely a volatile time and uh, emotions run high on this area of racism. I know what I get just on Facebook when I put up the words white privilege. I did a post about white privilege in July and in 30 seconds, it felt like I had over a hundred people having fights about whether it exists or not. So what's been your experience, especially now in the culture since Black Lives Matter has come to the forefront like it has? You know, honestly, I'm incredibly, incredibly sad and heartbroken. I have one grandchild who is very light, lighter than me. And then I have a couple others that are as dark as my hair. Same parents, yeah. Same parents, and it and it breaks my heart to see that they're going to be treated differently. For me, every chance I get, I tell them that I love them, and I never let them leave the house without me telling them that. I, I make sure I look them in the eyes, and I, you know, I hold their heads, and I'm like, I love you no matter what, because I never know if that's going to be the last time. I see them, you know, and so we've had the conversation about what to do if you get pulled over by the police and things like that. And mind you, they're like 15 and below. Mm -hmm. They're younger than 15. So it's not even like they're driving, but, you know, just riding a bicycle or being in the wrong place at the wrong time, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, it's heartbreaking. It, It really, really is you know, to have that conversation with. Yeah, you know, I was having a conversation with one of my friends last week. Um, she's a black woman and, she, and we were, she was saying, you know, every parent, every grandparent can relate to being scared about your children, that they're safe, that, you know, they're gonna be okay. But white people, don't necessarily have that same depth of fear that what you just shared, that every time they leave the house, that they could be perpetrated upon and that you have to have this conversation. Now, every parent has the conversation about how to be respectful to the police, no matter what color you are. Mm -hmm. Yet what, what you experience is deeper in that particular area. 
So imagine what that's like. I can't imagine what that's like. Um, I remember Leslie uh, Warren who shared uh, on this show about her son, a, a, a black man in his twenties saying, hey mom, I'm taking up jogging and I'm running around my neighborhood. And this was right after Ahmaud Aubrey was murdered in Georgia with a shotgun because he went into a house just to see what the renovations looked like, mm -hmm. right? That's all he did. In fact, yesterday I went upstairs uh, to visit a, uh, one of the apartments here that's being renovated and that went through my head. Like, you know, we do this all the time. We always curious about it. So imagine what she felt. She said, I can't tell you the, the lightning bolt that went through my body when he said that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's definitely something that you experienced that uh, we experience at some level, but I can't imagine what it's like at the level that you have to feel it for sure. And then the other thing is, there's lots of opportunity for us to educate ourselves and to learn. And for me, the biggest and easiest way to do that is to just have conversations among ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yesterday I was um, driving around town and there was a woman, they were just coming from a protest because some cities still have regular peaceful, peaceful protests are going on all over the country that you just don't hear about anymore. You only hear about them when there's a riot or somebody is, you know, there's some kind of act of violence. And often those acts of violence are perpetrated by people who aren't part of the movement. Right. Right. Because right? yes. looters are going to loot when there's a football game that your team wins or when you, the, you win the World Series or when there's a hurricane, there's looters. So they always find their way. But anyway, she was holding a sign and um, the sign said something like black, li all, all, yes, black lives matter. But right now we get that all lives matter. People saying all lives matter. She's saying black lives matter because they haven't mattered for the last 300 years. Yes, yes. So that's why the focus now is on that. So I just think that the conversation, the other sign she had was it's up to us. She was a white woman. It's up to us as white people to take care of racism. It's not up to the people of color. They're not doing right. anything wrong. Yeah, it's right. us. And the biggest thing is to shed light. And that's the hope of this show is to shed light on just pinpointing people and pigeonholing them. And whether you're a white person pigeonholing someone who's black or Hispanic or Muslim or Indian or any other color, right? or whether you're a black person who gives Cece a hard time because you only shoot white people with your camera. You know, we, these are conversations that we can have with each other. So that's my call to action today is have conversations around this. There's so many good jumping off points. There's some great books. Um, there are, uh, one of them is um, that I was sharing recently is the third option, which was written by a reverend. And it's meant to speak to uh, people who are of faith and really speaking to them in that language so that they can get, there's an option that we're all children of God. What difference is the color? Right. Right. So White Fragility is another really great book. And then there are many, many different uh, things on TV that you can watch. In fact, I'm looking here this morning, my friend Marty Ward sent me a text and she said, 
watch the Netflix movie, American Son. I haven't watched it yet. I just got the text. Thank you, Marty. And it said, it's so powerful for us white folks to get an idea of being the mother of a black child, which we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's called American Son. So I really urge all of you to do something. We can all watch a movie, right? We can open up our thinking. What would you say would be a good place, a good action people could take? You know, just having open conversations, real conversations, and agreeing to disagree on some things. Because just because we're friends or even if we're the same color, doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. But what it does mean is that we can listen with an open mind and an open heart. Mm. You know, absolutely. And, you know, I consider you and your sisters some of my very best friends. I know we may not speak for months at a time, but if I pick up the phone and I call you or you call me, we can have that conversation. Yeah, so that, absolutely. That's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So. I also want to mention that CC is in a documentary and the documentary is called Vote Here and it's a film for and by the people. And it's a great film because the filmmaker, Steve Waxman, has segmented it into small pieces. So you can watch small pieces. So if you're interested in how the electoral college was created and why we have it, you go to segment number five, for example, and you watch for 10 minutes. Um, there's a whole thing on women's suffrage. And Cece is one of the people in the film and you were sharing about, tell everybody what you were sharing about. Uh, about getting your voting rights back. Yeah. And, and, and it was so funny. I remember when I filmed that segment, it was, I, I was, I had done like 30 interviews in 30 days leading up to that for different things, for the elections, for the TEDx talk. And I was just like, you know, and I just had to remember to breathe, right. to breathe and that it was going to be okay. Yeah. You know, because that was such a, a volatile time uh, for me. Things were happening left and right. And, uh, but I, I was really happy to be in that movie. Yes. Yeah, I was really thrilled to see you there too. And you know what you want to add to this bio? I'm a TEDx speaker. That's like a big deal. Not everybody has that designation. And you've done it, you did it once as a panelist? I, I did it, I was a panelist last week, but uh, in 2018, I actually spoke mm -hmm. about everybody getting a second chance. Yeah. And so coming up in 2021, I'll be doing workshops. I'll be doing another talk. Uh, you know, TEDx is like, has been amazing for me. It has, has been amazing. But once again, dealing there with the racism, and not that I experienced any kind of racism with TEDx, not at all. It was more that, you're going to do that? Like, we, we don't do that. We don't put our business out in the street. And I was like, well, if we don't talk about it, how, is, how are people going to know? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I, I got some pushback once again from my people about getting up there and putting the, our business out in the street. No. You know, and I, and I always say, I, I think I gave a statistic, a statistic about one in three Americans having uh, a criminal record. 
And I remember my coach at the time was like, no, 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 that's not true. Now, my coach was white and from the Midwest. She's like, Cece, you can't say that. That's not true. And I said, yes. I said, because if you look to your left and then you look to your right, one of the three of you has been in the back of a police car, which means you have a police record, which means then you start to experience racism in the fact, well, not racism, but your, your voting rights are taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it can be. So when you, we think of that kind of racism as only applying to black and brown people, well, no, it applies to all of us. Yeah. So if you've been in the back of a police car, yeah, you might want to check and make sure you still can vote, yeah. but you're voting legally. Right, exactly. Voting legally. That's the thing. (laughs) Well, thank you, Cece, for everything you do, for making the difference that you make, for being an activist, for not taking any BS from anybody, for standing in your power, and for representing. Because if all the TED speakers are white, it becomes a psychological that you have to be white to be a TED speaker. Right. Right. If all the CEOs of companies are white, you have to be white to be a CEO of a company. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you can see yourself, you know, I'm very thrilled that we have a woman of color as our vice president. Oh, I know. Amazing. Number one, a woman, number two, a woman of color, you know, all of that. And that she too is multicultural mm-hmm. and look mm-hmm. at the backlash she took. A, because she's a woman and, you know, because she's a woman, her enemies said she slept her way to the top. I know. You know, how ridiculous. How ridiculous. And number two, because she's a woman of color, they vilified her because people called her African-American. She's not African-American. She's Indian. Everything, everything is just because a woman and a, a dark woman. Right. And here's the thing. We say she's Indian. Her mother was Indian. Her father is Jamaican. Yeah. So. So that doesn't make her African American. (laughs) I know. The whole point is once your color is anything brown, beige, black, you are Mm -hmm. different than this. Right, right. That's all there is to it. And sometimes you're seen as Puerto Rican when you're not. Right. And sometimes you're seen as African American when you're not. Mm-hmm. so listen it's all about all of us knowing that inside we're all human we're one race one race thank you my friend for being with thank us you. today i so appreciate you and thank all of you for watching today it was a pleasure to be here with you i look forward to seeing you again every tuesday at 11 a.m eastern time and uh for another conversation with one of my amazing sisters of color Thank you so much. Thank you, Cece. Thank you. Thank you for having me.